Driving through Olawa County in Northeast Oregon, you may notice a particular homemade billboard along the side of the highway. In bold, red-painted lettering, it reads, Save our Wallawa Whitman National Forest Public Motorized Access. Stop road closures on our public lands. Stop the government from taking away our freedom. These public lands belong to you, they belong to me, they belong to everybody. They belong to the people of Wallawa County. They belong to the people that live in New Jersey. They belong to the entire United States of America. This is Brian Kelly, Restoration Director at Hell's Canyon Preservation Council. It is a brisk early September morning, and he stands on a damp dirt road covered with green and yellow needles. The pine and fir that inhabit the surrounding coniferous forest stand on choppy mountains that line Hell's Canyon, an immense chasm that cuts the earth through to Idaho. He is 43 miles of mostly bumpy dirt roads away from the nearest town of Enterprise, Oregon, population 1,884. Kelly has lived in the area for over 30 years and understands that in Wallawa County, freedom is a concept that is directly connected to the land and also the open road. He smiles down at the graveled ground with a slight sigh. So uh, roads are still a big deal. <laughs> roads are a very big deal in the Wallawa Whitman right now. In his daily work, Kelly walks a fine line between representing the public and representing the organisms that cannot speak for themselves. He does it with a kind of humble warmth and concern that makes people listen. We need to have connections across the landscape. Connectivity is an ecological concept that has to do with the population's ability to move from one habitat to another geographically. When we talk about connectivity too, it's important to think about Things like moose and wolves have legs and can travel long distances. Those are animals with a wide range that can really cruise. But things like salamanders and uh, snakes and things that crawl on the ground maybe are not quite so mobile and are going to have different requirements for their habitat and for their connectivity. Disturbance of connectivity can have major impacts on population behavior and therefore the overall fitness of a species. The basic idea of fitness is the ability of a species to reproduce and survive in a particular environment. Roads act as barriers to reproduction and thereby prevent populations from achieving optimal fitness. Attempts to cross them can prove nearly impossible for some species and lead to the violent death of others. So you have to look at what is the density of these roads on a given piece of landscape and how much are these roads being impacted. Road density affects elk populations and disturbance affects elk populations and, and affects the way elk move across the landscape and where they tend to eat, where they tend to calve, where they tend to hang out. Roads, the things that connect humans to each other and bring us out to nature, fragment the ecosystems they pass through. We all need roads for access, but what is the most desirable amount of roads? Where do we want those roads to be? Let's say an interstate cuts an ecosystem in half. Shutting it down to repair the ecosystem isn't an option. The interstate is an important avenue of connectivity for human populations. So then, in terms of mitigation, what are the options? This is where graduate student, soon-to-be tortoise biologist Mark Peden comes in. He works at the Desert Tortoise Research Facility in the Mojave Desert of California. 
The facility is state-of-the-art and gracefully modern in design. It sits in the middle of nowhere, its only friends Peden's trailer and motorcycle parked by its side. So one mitigation measure that people are questioning right now is tourist fencing. Basically what that does is prevents the tourists from crossing the road and getting hit, so it decreases the mortality. Peden's thesis for his graduate research concerns mitigating the effects of highly traveled roads like interstates on desert tortoise populations. Fences, it seems, are his only option to prevent the endangered tortoises from wandering out into the road and getting hit by cars. What are issues with fencing? You're basically creating two small populations of tortoises if you create this fencing that's impermeable to tortoises, right? But is that worth it to keep the tortoise from getting hit by the cars? Installing fences along roadways further diminishes connectivity. Where tortoises could once have a go at crossing the road, they no longer can. Passageways over and under roadways have been installed in particular areas in attempts to mitigate the problem, yet they have proved largely ineffective. Another solution that Peden is studying is translocation, or physically moving the tortoises across the road. However, Peden has found that translocation causes tortoises high levels of stress that sometimes leads to their death. So suddenly our translocation event that was supposed to be good for the tortoises might be bad. Despite all attempts at mitigation, the tortoise is still not free to cross the road. And it's not just tortoises in California. It's pronghorn antelope in Wyoming, it's lynx in Colorado, it's horny toads in New Mexico. Their populations have been divided, their food supplies have been cut in half, their homes sliced into bits and pieces. Back in Wallowa County, Kelly deals in more negotiable terms. He has the power to initiate road closures on the public lands in Hell's Canyon in efforts to restore mobility to the forest ecosystem. When deciding which roads to close and which to leave open, Kelly first analyzes the impact of the road on connectivity by looking at population densities and behaviors. Second, he considers the popularity or frequency at which the road is used by the public. If people really want to get through there, all it takes is a chainsaw on a four-wheel drive to start blazing the trail back. If you're trying to keep people out of places where they really want to go, you sort of have to do a cost-benefit analysis. Instead of like putting up a bunch of road closed signs, don't go by here, which is bad, bad vibes basically, the decision was made to indicate the open routes. Further up the road, Kelly points to a fork. One side is marked with a simple wooden sign painted with a crisp white arrow. The other is blocked with a haphazard jumble of logs. There was a big uproar from people who feel like the federal government is closing them out of the national forest and taking away their rights and blah, 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 blah. The Wallowa-Whitman National Forest has something like 9,000 miles of roads. 9,000 miles on one national forest. That's enough to drive, you know, from here to London, England. Standing somewhat disconcerted at the fork, Kelly mentions that before the closure, both of those parallel roads were counted in the 9,000 miles. They lead to the exact same place. Do we really need 9,000 miles of freedom? In this case, maybe not. For National Public Lands Radio, I'm Emma Jones.